We're going to be looking uh, this week at uh, our main scripture text will be 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13, and then also 2 Chronicles chapter 20, uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 13, 2 Chronicles chapter 20. I'm going to read verse 13 of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and then I'll, I'll actually go back up and read uh, most of chapter 4. Verse 13 says, We having the same spirit of faith, according as it's written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. Uh, you know, we have talked about, uh, last week we started talking about the spirit of faith, having the same spirit of faith uh, that Jesus had, that David had, that Paul had. You know, we actually have the same spirit of faith. And uh, I'll read verse 18. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. I remember, have you ever read the book Ever-Increasing Faith by Smith, Smith Wigglesworth? It's a great book if you haven't read it. And um, fabulous read. And I think, uh, I don't remember the exact number, but I think the Lord used him to raise like eight people from the dead. And very bold minister, he was from England, and uh, uh, you know, I think he passed away in the 50s or something like that, but uh, very, ins- very inspiring uh, <clears throat> book on faith that he has. And he had a saying that he would always say, he said, I'm not moved by what I see, I'm not moved by what I feel, I'm moved only by what I believe, and I believe God. And so many times, <clears throat> we want to be moved by our feelings or by what we see, or by what it seems like. Well, it seems like, seems like move me this, and seems like have me do this, and so on and so forth. Well, we, the previous series we were in was about overcoming anxiety, and that uh, when we focus on anxiety, we actually uh, go further into it, but when we focus on what the Lord has done, and we cast our cares on the Lord, he, it actually enables what He's already done for us to be a reality in our lives. And so I want to look here at the context of 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and also uh, 2 Chronicles 20. Let's look at the context. Um, Well, we'll start with verse 3, chapter 4, verse 3 of 2 Corinthians. But if our gospel be hid, it's hid hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For the God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So everything is going really, really good here. This is awesome. Uh, You know, we love the word. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Uh, You know, uh, the word of God is so good. And if you read after Paul uh, and you start acting like him, you'll soon humble yourself and realize that the excellency of the power is not of us at all. It's really none to do of us. So much that he said, it's no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. This life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And you find that Paul again and again directs us back to the cross so that we find ourselves when we lose ourselves in the cross. 
we actually find ourselves when we find our life in Christ. And the only way we find our life in Christ, he says, is that we actually come to the cross, that we crucify our flesh with its lusts and desires and everything that's there. And actually then we can, I think it's uh, chapter 5, says that we take his death. In other words, uh, we assume that. So, uh, excuse me, he took our death so that we can take his life. But in order for us to do that, we have to, what Romans says, offer our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him, which is our spiritual worship. Uh, NIV says, your spiritual act of worship. And um, so let me continue. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Now listen to his condition when he starts to talk about the spirit of faith. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Uh, I'll pause for just a second to say, like, uh, if you uh, are in human flesh here this morning or listening online, that you are going to find at some point in your life, if it's not today, it was probably yesterday, and if it's not today, it might be tomorrow, where you're perplexed or where you're troubled, but you don't have to be, like, um, overcome. He said, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. So if you've ever seen like um, uh, trouble coming to you on every side as if you're in a chamber that's lower than the earth, like maybe New Orleans, and like the water comes flooding in on every side and you're like, what is happening? Why is this all occurring? I, I know I've been there. Uh, but you can be in that kind of trouble where uh, from earthly reasoning and human thinking, it's over and it's the end. But he said, what? We're not distressed. Well, why can you not be distressed? Because we have the same spirit of faith. That's how you actually live in the trouble, overcome the trouble, but not be overtaken by by the trouble. So we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. I mean, this is really good news. Uh, uh, always bearing about in the body, uh, this is what I was referring to earlier, the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body, right? So we're always bearing about the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus can show up in our body. Uh, What does that mean? Well, we're bearing about his death. In other words, do you realize that Jesus Christ was perfect in every single way. That when he went to the cross, it was not because he did something wrong. It was not because he didn't do what he was assigned to do. It was because of what you and I did, or at that, you know, God is outside of time, but at that instance of time, he did it for us before we existed. He did it actually outside of time. He did it for all eternity. And so while we were sinners, Christ died for us. For a godly person, somebody might dare to die, the Bible says. They might like, okay, this is a very godly person. I'm going I'm, I'm to protect them and I'm going to die. But for someone that's not a godly person, uh, nobody's going to do that except for our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Because every single one of us, um, you know, without Jesus could not come to the Father. Even the Bible says that our righteousness in it of ourselves, is as filthy rags. That means no matter how hard you try, 
no matter how hard I try, if I'm doing it apart from Jesus Christ, it's a flat failure. And actually what it produces when you do it as a, you know, sometimes we look at this and we say, okay, yeah, obviously as a, as a non-believer, it's not going to work. But then we can even uh, become believers. And when we're a believer, we still try to establish our receiving from God and our relationship from God based on our own righteousness. So while we have access to the righteousness of Jesus Christ, we can still be trying to accomplish on our own, of our own merits. And, you know, a real quick way to figure that out is if you kind of get uh, pretty proud of yourself for how well you're walking the Christian life and how well you're doing in your relationship with the Lord. Because really, uh, we have nothing, uh, the Bible says, that was not given to us. What do you have that you haven't received? Everything's been given to us. Life and godliness through the knowledge of Jesus Christ, even the very, the very uh, breath of life. Verse 11, for we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then, death works in us, but life in you. We having the same spirit of faith, according as it's written, I believed, therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. So if you go back to verse 7, 8, and 9, you find that we're troubled uh, on every side, yet not distressed. And the spirit of faith, verse 13, does what? The same spirit of faith, um, according as we have believed, therefore we speak. So there's something about being troubled on every side. There's something about being perplexed. There's something about being persecuted. There's something about bearing about in our body the dying of the Lord Jesus that requires us to speak what we believe. It's the same spirit of faith. Uh, it's not like, uh, you know, Spirit of faith, the Holy Ghost. The same Holy Spirit that descended upon Jesus, the same Holy Spirit that smeared and rubbed on Jesus and anointed him and prepared him is the same Holy Spirit that recreates us when we are born again, that comes to live on the inside of us. It's the same Holy Spirit that we receive in fullness when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit. Same Spirit. And so... Jesus' ability to minister was actually based on his yieldings to God and to the Spirit of God that came on him and came in him. Because I grew up in a, in a denominational church, and, uh, uh, you know, you got these pictures and everything, and I remember uh, seeing this picture where Jesus healed this bird as a little boy. Do you know the Bible doesn't say that? Actually, the first miracle that's recorded is turning the water into wine. And Jesus, actually, ministry began then, and that was right after he was baptized on the River Jordan, and the Holy Spirit came down upon him, okay? So um, in our thinking and really in our honor of God, we tend to say, like, well, God is God, and he can do anything he wants. And when God came down in the flesh, he could heal anybody, he could do anything, well, God is God, but God is a just God. And when he created Adam and Eve in the garden, he said, I give you dominion. He delegated that authority to them. And then when the devil tempted them, they basically gave up that authority to the devil. So the reason Jesus had to come and live a perfect, spotless, sinless life as a man is because Adam and Eve as mankind, they uh, failed and messed up as mankind. 
And uh, Romans chapter 5 tells us this, that uh, through one man's sin, death came to all men. How much more through one man's uh, righteousness, Jesus, all can receive life. And uh, so Jesus came to set us free, and Jesus came to give us the ability uh, to stand and to, when persecuted, not be forsaken, when cast down, not be destroyed. And the way we do that is we do it through our speaking. I have believed, therefore have I spoken. Remember in Romans chapter 10, uh, verses 9 and 10? Let's turn there. The reason I want to turn there is uh, so I quote it correctly. <laughs> if you've been here for any length of time, you, you'll laugh. Uh, but, uh, well, we'll start with verse 8. But what says it? The word is near you, even in your mouth and in your heart. That's the word of faith which we preach. You know, the, the, actually, the word of God is the word of faith. Uh, that if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And so we see that even when we come to our Heavenly Father through Jesus Christ, when we receive Jesus Christ, how do we receive him? We believe in our heart. We confess with our mouth. We having that same spirit of faith. I believed, therefore have I spoken. And I have prayed with many people to receive Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you, it's one of the most exciting experiences you ever have in your life because you can, uh, really in your heart, in your spirit, you can sense the heaviness, uh, the separation from God, uh, things that they're going through. And the second that they pray and confess Jesus as their Lord, Something changes, and you know it changes. And I always, you know, I'm praying with them, and most of the time my eyes are closed. And so I got my eyes closed, and I'm praying. And, I, and normally at that point I'll open my eyes because I'm watch, watching their face change. And so because something just happened on the inside. Uh, but it doesn't happen until they believe and confess. If you realize, um, and confession really is like a declaration, in other words, I am declaring and I am pronouncing that Jesus is my Lord. I joined the military, so I was sworn in. When I was sworn in, I always think of confession kind of like that, like, a, you know, um, or you're, if you're in a court, uh, I swear to tell the whole truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help me God. And so it's like a, it's a, a serious thing. And so that same spirit of faith comes into every believer. Now, if you look I don't know the margin of your Bible, but the margin of my Bible references Psalm 116. Psalm 116. Of course, this is David speaking, and I'm going to read uh, up through verse 10. I love the Lord because he heard my voice and my supplications, because he inclined his ear to me. Therefore, will I call upon him as long as I live. The sorrows of death compassed me, and the pains of hell got hold of me. I found trouble and sorrow. Then I called upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I beseech you, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous are you. Yes, God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. I was brought low and he helped me. Now I'm going to skip down there to verse 10. I believed, therefore have I spoken. Well, what I want to see and what I want you to see is that David, you know, he committed adultery with Bathsheba. And then, of course, also his son died. And, you know, I don't want to get into all of that this morning. But what I want you to see is 
he's psalming in the midst of these feelings, in the midst of his mistakes, in the midst of everything that goes on, and he says the same thing. I believed, therefore have I spoken. And so when we are in the midst of uh, troubles on every side, what's happening, things coming against us, it's not the time to remain silent. Um, but it's also not the time to say the wrong thing. You know, you have a right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you. Uh, you could say, like, in the eternal court, uh, I guarantee the devil will use your words against you. Actually, he will supply you words to speak, and then he will accuse you for speaking them. Like, why did you do that? Did you ever notice that... Um, uh, you know, there is therefore now no condemnation for them that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Uh, you know, the Holy Spirit never brings condemnation. The closest thing that the Holy Spirit does to that is that the Bible says uh, in John that the Holy Spirit will convict the world of sin. The Holy Spirit does not condemn the world of sin. Condemnation means like, okay, like you're finished, you're done, you can't get out of this, it's hopeless. Uh, and the Holy Spirit never, never brings uh, a word of condemnation, but he actually always shows the way out. Well, whenever the devil's attacking you and you're like, uh, ever say like, uh, that is so stupid, why am I so stupid? Or a comment like that. Or, uh, let's see, I'm... Messed up again. I, I always mess up. I'm just a mess up. If you say stuff like that, you realize like the words of the devil become first person to you? Like the devil will put thoughts in your mind, put temptations against you, but what he's trying to get you to do is speak first person. Like, yes, that is me. Like, uh, you ever been in, in a university or college or high school or uh, wherever you're at and uh, you have, you're in a test <laughs> And uh, you just flat don't know the answer. And uh, you can get uh, pretty upset and speak some terrible things over yourself. What happens? Those words that he speaks uh, come in such a way that you actually, like, personify it. Like, it, you take it as your own. Now, what's supposed to happen is we're supposed to take the word of God and personify it and take it as our own. Like, I am a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I have been reconciled to God. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And so the devil, he doesn't have anything on his own. Um, he just tries to twist what God has already done. Uh, but he understands the power of words, and so he's going to give us words and try to get us to speak those words. And, um, you know, they are born really as a thought. And... Uh, you know, a thought left unspoken generally dies, but it's when we start to speak those thoughts uh, that they kind of uh, come to us. So let's, now let's turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 20, 2 Chronicles chapter 20. So we, we find in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, um, <clears throat> the children... of the Lord, Israel, um, in a really dire situation. So I'm going to read most of this. It came to pass, verse 1, uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 20, 
It came to pass after this also that the children of Moab, the children of Ammon, and with them others besides the Ammonites came against Jehoshaphat to battle. There, um, then there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, there, there comes a great multitude against you from beyond the sea on this side of Syria. And behold, they are in Hazion, Tamar, which is in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared. And like I said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, like you may find yourself perplexed, troubled, all these things going on. But look at what Jehoshaphat does. It doesn't say, and he feared, and he said, this is going to be a horrible battle, and we're going to lose because we're outnumbered. And, I don't, and he didn't say, I don't know what to do. He said, he set himself to seek the Lord and proclaim a fast throughout all Judah. He's a leader. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Remember, we were looking the last few weeks uh, also at Acts chapter 16, verse 25, when Paul and Silas are in prison, their hands and their feet are in stocks. It said that they uh, prayed and sang praises unto God. So what did they do? First, they turned towards God. Um, and Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah in Jerusalem, in the house of the Lord, before the new court, and he said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And don't you rule over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in your hand is there not power and might, so that none is with able, able to withstand you? Are you not our God, who did drive out the inhabitants of the land before your people Israel, and gave it to the seed of Abraham, your friend forever? Uh, he's talking, actually, covenant talk there. And they dwelt therein and have built you a sanctuary there for your name, saying, if when evil comes upon us as a sword, judgment or pestilence or famine, we stand before this house and in your presence, for thy name is in this house, and cry unto you in our affliction that you will hear and help. And now behold, the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned uh, from them and didn't destroy them. Behold, I say, how they reward us to come and to cast us out of thy possession. Right? So he's praying, and he's talking to the Lord, and he's saying, Lord, look, we actually did what you said. We wanted to drive them out, but you said don't do it. And so we did it your way. And now they're coming to try to cast us out of your possession. So you see, like, everything that he did, he did in Christ, but he did it for you and he did it for me. And so the possession of Christ actually becomes ours. And um, let's read verse 12. Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no might against this great company which comes against us. Neither do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you, right? So in your life, in my life, when we have things that uh, maybe we just don't know, maybe it's not something bad, maybe we're just unaware, we're just ignorant, not in a bad way ignorant, but ignorant, just not knowing, and we don't know what to do, we turn to the Lord, our eyes are upon you. In other words, we're watching to see what you're going to do. We're listening to hear what you're going to say. And all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. Then upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jeel, the son of Mataniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, came the Spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. 
So what's happening? The whole group of people are really concerned, like, what's going on? We're surrounded. We're, we're no match for them, and we don't even have a clue what to do. And Jehoshaphat set himself to seek the Lord and pray to the Lord, and then everybody in the camp brought their families to the, from the youngest to the oldest, and they're all turning towards the Lord and seeking the Lord, and what happened? The Spirit of God came upon them in the midst of the congregation. Have you ever been in a dry so, so, so to speak, a dry and thirsty land or a dry and thirsty place, and you're like, I need the Holy Spirit. I need the Holy Ghost because I feel like I have nothing. I feel like I have no relationship with God. I feel like I'm so distant. Well, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And so this is kind of where the rubber meets the road for our walk of faith and our life of faith, because we have the same spirit of faith. And you see, as we believe and speak, we actually begin to act. And our words release the creative power of God when our words are his word. And so that actually enables him to move and enables him to perform what he's already done and make it real in our life. Because he said, I watch over my word to perform it. So I love that scripture because that keeps me on the word. Because I might think a lot of things. I might want a lot of things. I might not want certain things. But until I have solid ground to stand on, which is God's word, I really have no right to ask for it. I have no right to stand against the devil. Unless Jesus said, I could do it. And, of course, we know that he did say that, and his word does say that. And, you know, we were looking at resisting the devil for the last uh, several uh, weeks in the, in the last series. And he said, uh, let's see, came the Spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation, and he said, hearken, in other words, listen, all Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and King Jehoshaphat, this is what the Lord says to you, be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of the great multitude, for the battle is not yours but God's. Uh, why can we not be afraid? Because the battle's not ours, it's God's. So when we start measuring the battle by ourselves, right? I mean, look at, look at these muscles. Like, if I start measuring, I got a good friend that, like, man, he, he works out a lot. And if I was, like, going to have a battle with him, I would have to look to the Lord, because if I measure by myself, I'd be, I'd be running the other way. Uh, but uh, it's kind of funny, but we do that in so many different things. Uh, financially, we do that. We measure the battle by ourselves. How do we measure the battle by ourselves? Well, I know in my own life, when I was first uh, stationed out here, um, actually, I, I made some mistakes and I didn't tithe for a period of time, and that's how I got in the situation to begin with. But I was in the military, and uh, I didn't tithe, so then I didn't have enough money. So then I fixed it. I went and got a job, but I didn't have enough money. So I went and got a second job. Let me think. One, two, yeah. Um, and then I periodically worked a third. So I was working like four jobs. So I was doing a, a mighty fine job of fixing it myself, wearing myself out, uh, you know, uh, lots of different things. But... Uh, we're not to do it ourselves, we're to look to God. Now, in a financial situation, he may tell you, get a part-time job for a while. He may tell you this or that. But the key to it is seeking first the kingdom of God, finding out what he says, because when he leads you, his blessing is on his leading. 
when you or I decide uh, it may or may not work out, in, in many cases, uh, it doesn't work out. Um, verse 16, tomorrow go down against them. Behold, they come up from the cliff of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeril. Amazing that the Lord can give you exact detail, exactly what's going to happen. You will not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites and the children of the Korhites, the children of the Korhites, stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice on high. Okay, so what, what just happened? They're like distressed, uh, they're scared, they're fearful, and they said, I'm not going to give in to that fear, I'm going to turn to God. They turned to God, what happened? The Lord spoke. After the Lord spoke, he said, this is how it's going to be. In great detail, this is how it's going to be. Sometimes we'll find ourselves at that place, and we get off the ship. Like Peter got out, began to walk on the water. He, then he saw the wind and the waves, and he got his eyes off Jesus, and he began to sink. And so we'll have times in our life where we don't know what to do. We go to God, we get a word at church or in an assembly together, get a word in our prayer life, our time with the Lord. And at that moment, you know, we're just like happy as a clam and everything's good and fine. But then Monday morning comes and we get off of what the Lord said to do. So what did they do? After they prayed, sought the Lord, got an answer from the Lord, they begin to praise. They set themselves to worship the Lord. Why, why did they do that? They believed that he had answered their prayer because he had spoken. And, and as good, what he said was as good as done. With a loud voice on high, so they weren't even quiet about it. And they rose, verse 20, early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And uh, as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood up and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so you will be established. Believe his prophets, so will you prosper. And when he had consulted the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord that should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and to say, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. And when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord sent ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. And you, saw, you see the pattern of what happened. They believed God, and then what did they do? They spoke. And they began to sing and they began to praise. The Lord said, you're not going to have to fight in this battle. So, I, you know, if they have like a video in heaven, I want to see this video. Because I want to see like this army behind the singers and the praisers and the worshipers. And, you know, uh, they begin to sing and to praise. And then they begin to hit and kill each other. The enemy killed each other. I, I got to read it because I didn't read it the other two weeks. 
For the children of Ammon Moab stood up in the inhabitants of Mount Seir utterly to slay and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, everyone helped to destroy another. So the armies are fight, the, the evil armies are fighting each other. And when Judah came uh, toward the watchtower in the wilderness, they looked at the multitude, and behold, there were dead bodies fallen to the earth, and none escaped. You realize when we let the Lord fight our battles and we do it his way, he takes care of every little detail and actually in abundance because verse 25 says, when Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away the spoil of them, in other words, the stuff that they could get from, from them, they found among them in abundance both riches with the dead bodies and precious jewels which they stripped off for themselves more than they could carry away and they were three days in gathering of the spoils, for it was so much. And so uh, the last thing that your flesh wants to do when you have anxiety coming, when you have trouble coming, when you have distress coming, is to stop and focus and praise the Lord and enter into the presence of God. But the most important thing that we need to do is stop, focus, enter into the presence of God, and then we actually have the words to speak. So the words that we begin to speak are words of magnification of the Lord because we need to magnify the Lord for ourselves. In other words, you start to say, and you're, you're, you're like, you know, Lord, I have this pressure coming against me, but you are greater. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You see what happens is, we actually, uh, James tells us this, such a good, such a good book, uh, that we set the course of our life with our tongue, with the words that we speak. And then we have the same spirit of faith. We believe, therefore we speak. Well, if we have a different spirit of faith, we may believe but not speak. Faith is of the heart. And so we don't resist the Holy Spirit, but we actually yield to the Holy Spirit. And we resist the devil. We resist the flesh. How do we do that? What did we learn in the last series? Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee. And what happens is, sometimes we try to resist the devil in our own power or resist what's happening. You know, it's a fallen world, so some things are a direct result of the devil's intervention in your life or my life. Other things are just because it's a fallen world that we live in, right? Every sickness is not a demon, yet all sickness comes from the fall. Yet some sicknesses are demonic. And so we see that we, our job is to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. One of the best ways I have found to humble myself is in the midst of when I don't understand I begin to thank the Lord and to praise the Lord. And this week being Thanksgiving, I will tell you, if you take today, this afternoon, and write down 10 things that you're thankful for and use those as a launch pad to your uh, week of Thanksgiving this week, you will find such a flourishing, wonderful prayer life just in Thanksgiving, just by giving thanks. Because you start to realize what God has done for you and who you are in Christ. Stand with me if you would. Let's all um, uh, turn to the Lord, every head bowed and every eye closed. 
And let's begin to thank him. Heavenly Father, oh, we thank you that you are good, that your mercies are new every morning, that you are good and your mercy endures forever. I thank you that you're a good God and not an evil God, that you have a plan for us and that your plan is good and it's not evil. It's not a plan to hurt us, but it's a plan to prosper us. I thank you that you sent Jesus. And when you sent Jesus, that you gave us life, an opportunity for life and to come into your very family. Father, I thank you for your life that flows into us through Jesus Christ and through the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you for the blood of Jesus, that when you look upon us, that you don't see our failures and our faults, but you see Christ redeemed us, Christ setting us free, Christ giving us access, that you see the blood, that you see him and what he's done. Father, I thank you for each and every person that's under the sound of my voice. Father, I pray for each and every one of us. I plead the blood of Jesus over everything that concerns us, over our families, over our jobs, over our relationships, over our schooling, over our understanding. Father, that may we have everything that the blood of Jesus has purchased for us. I plead the blood of Jesus over our mouth. Father, may we put a guard over our mouth and speak your word only. May we allow you to work and to move not only in our lives, but in the lives of those that you have put around us and that you have put us with. Father, I thank you for your spirit that the same spirit that raised Jesus, my Lord, from the dead is living inside of me and inside of every believer that's listening, every believer that's here. Father, I thank you that you're making our bodies live, that you're giving our bodies life, that you're giving us revelation and understanding. Father, I pray that you would strengthen us in our inner man, that we would understand and comprehend your love that goes beyond our natural understanding, Father, but that we would be able to grab hold of that love in our hearts, the knowledge of that love in our hearts, Father. Father, thank you. You are good. Your mercy endures forever. Thank you for sustaining us, for sustaining this wor world, Father, and we thank you for your word. We pray that your word would be foremost in our lives, that we would desire your word, as the psalmist said, more than honey, and more than thousands or millions of gold and silver. Father, we put you first place in our lives. We love you. We thank you for loving us, for trusting us, and for entrusting us with your mission and with your call. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.